Hello and welcome back to season four of Art Poppin' Bottles, the podcast where each week we discuss an album by still yet a non-male artist. My name is Justin Ganaway. My name is Kayla Maishkin-Govin. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> Hi, Justin. It's so good to be back for season four with you. Can you believe? I can't believe. Has this po- this podcast has seen us through so many geographical locations, so many um, d- states of varying mental health. Um, oh, God. <laughs> what? Uh, but you know, but here we are, still yet yeah, giving children content that they deserve. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And in our time-honored tradition, what pop star do you feel like this week? Well, this week, I uh, have been running auditions at the college where I teach. And um, the uh, I'm, I'm directing a play that I wrote, and the school is doing cabaret. And I have been bowled over, pun intended, by all the kids who love cabaret and want to do cabaret. And I've also been bowled over by some folks who have not seen the Liza Minnelli version. And uh, it's just so iconic. And I just have been quoting cabaret day in and day out. So obviously, (laughs) I feel like Judy's daughter herself. Judy's only daughter. (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Just one of Judy's many talented and beautiful daughters, Liza Minnelli. (laughs) um if you were a true gleek you would have said uh kristen chenoweth (laughs) i can't i can't respond to that (laughs) um feel like this week what pop star do you feel like this week justin ganaway um you know I back for round two, year two of teaching. It's been nice that uh, that I get to repeat some of my courses. Um, I'm feeling better about how I can how I structure a class um, and better about how I communicate with the students. Um, and what's wrong with feeling confident? So I uh, feel like Demi Lovato. Beautiful, amazing, incredible, (laughs) never before seen. Never before seen. Okay, let's get into current events this week because we've got much to talk about. The internet was giving um, and (laughs) I loved it. I haven't felt this alive on Twitter in years. Um, So let's start with Don't Worry Darlings, the drama of Don't Worry Darlings. I'll try to give a summary um, don't worry, darling. It's just one darling, a single darling. Um, <laughs> but it we'll explain that later. Um, uh, also, let me just say we're recording this episode on uh, September 11th, 2022. And, um, the don't worry, darling stuff has been coming out, out over the past couple weeks, but had it's like major news days earlier this week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I feel like that was an eon ago because of how much fucking news has happened this week. Anyway, back so to you. So true. Justin. Yes. Um, I'm going to give a brief summary of what's been going on. You know, this was a hotly anticipated film. It was uh, Olivia Wilde's sophomore directorial uh, thing. And she <laughs> had cast uh, Shia LaBeouf in it, as well as Florence Pugh and um, Chris Pine. And then Shia ultimately pulled out due to quote unquote scheduling conflicts. But we've heard that he asked, uh, he was like, hey, give me more rehearsal time. Um, Pick between me or Florence, because Florence had a really set amount of dates that she could do it. 
Um, Olivia chose Florence. Then they cast Harry Styles. Then um, on the set, Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde started fucking, which made Florence mad because she, her, like, ex, Zach Braff, was good friends with and had directed a few of Jason Sudeikis' shows. And Jason Sudeikis is Olivia Wilde's ex. And so it was very awkward on set. Florence didn't like her. Um, Florence said basically she wasn't going to do press, but then showed up 20 minutes late to the red carpet for Don't Worry Darling at the Venice Film Festival. Then, while there, um, they all got announced before the movie was going to play so they could all sit and watch their movie together at the festival. And they called Chris Pine. Chris Pine sat down. Then they called Harry Styles. And Harry Styles was in that weird Gucci look with the one collar peeking out. And um, it looks like he spit on Chris Pine's lap and then sat down because Chris Pine looks to his lap, has a big realization on his face. We've all seen the video 20 times and it looks like he spit, but you don't see any spit. So what do you think about Spitgate, first of all? Okay, Spitgate. First, I wanna go back to a couple different things. One is that, uh, just to clarify, the original story put out by Olivia Wilde herself was that uh, Shia, she fired Shia because he um, because he abused FKA Twigs and she wanted Florence Pugh to feel safe and that she was protecting her actress, particularly because, as I understand it, the narrative of this story deals very much with, uh, with sort of like domestic abuse or I, I'm not sure if it's physical or emotional or combo, but uh, that that's a big subject of the movie. So Olivia put out this like feminist line, like I'm protecting Florence. Um, and she said that Shia was fired. And the whole thing, this whole drama started kicking up because then Jaya said, I wasn't fired. You didn't give me enough rehearsal time. And then he started or someone started leaking things, including that video of Olivia, like begging Shia to be on set, calling Florence Miss Flo and like in this tone. Um, and then also back to your point about Spitgate, I have come around, like I definitely really hope that Harry spit on Chris, but I think that one of the <laughs> alternate theories is probably correct that it's an inside joke or that Chris realized his sunglasses were there in his lap. Really hope that Harry spit on Chris, but like then Harry Styles joked about it at his concert at Medicine Square Garden a couple nights ago. He said, uh, sorry, I, I had to leave New York. I'm just back from Venice where I spit on Chris Pine. So he's, he said that he he had to spit on Chris Pine. Who knows what actually happened? I love that he's feeding the drama and not being like, I didn't spit. He's like, I spit. <laughs> um, which is so hairy. We also forgot from that premiere at Spitgate, everything uh, of, of Spitgate eclipsed so much that happened that day, including there was like a very long standing ovation during which like Florence and Olivia had a very tense interaction. And then Florence apparently left the uh, theater as everyone was still applauding, which like cut off the standing ovation. Apparently, too, like the whole time 
Harry and Olivia, who were allegedly, as I thought, still dating, wouldn't be next to each other. Lawrence wouldn't be next to either Olivia or Harry, which is why I think all the Spitgate rumors were really fueled, is because it looks like everyone was having a shitty time. So mm. we wanted to buy into it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, oh, so Spitgate eclipsed all of that and also eclipsed Harry kissing Nick Cole full on the mouth during yeah. that standing ovation after the internet begged him to come out as queer for the like billionth time he's <sighs> giving these interviews like it doesn't matter like not that it doesn't matter he has a more nuanced take on it we've discussed this on the show before with and i've discussed this in my personal life more times than i can count um oh. <laughs> the fact that the internet was like harry um like come out or fuck a guy and then he kisses nick crawl like, that's just, the straightest thing you can do honestly no, though is kissing this nick crawl greater than kissing a woman yeah so i don't know um justin what do you think about all this um we're also getting word from our executive producers that um, Olivia was also served custody papers from Sudeikis while introducing this film at CinemaCon. So there's more right. drama surrounding. That was, that was the first thing that happened actually with this movie is that she got served papers in public, which is this sign that something's like some shit is going down, right? If Sudeikis can't find her in a private moment anywhere or chooses to do that, right? Um, that was the first uh, big, um, like, and that was also one of the ways we knew that, like, yeah, shit was going to go down here. I have to say, I, like, I am living for the Florence of it all. I think that she's got a good sense of humor. I loved that one of her makeup artists was wearing a t-shirt that said Miss Flo. And like, I also, like, I do live for pettiness. It's fun to watch as an internet spectator. But I'm also on the side of like, Olivia is a public figure. She was an actress before she was a director. But like, it does seem like people are sort of reveling in the drama surrounding Olivia. Whereas like, there are so many male directors who've done much worse that it, like, we're not, we don't get press on how horrific they are at, at such a um, high rate. Though it, it seems that Olivia is deserving of this press. So it's all nuanced. Florence seems to have won the whole thing. Harry Styles <laughs> is doing well um, PR wise, so. Yeah, if there's a loser here, it's definitely Olivia Wilde, but I don't know. I think that we definitely uh, should hold male directors accountable who, who do this, pull this kind of shit and worse, for sure, for worse. Um, but also we can hold Olivia Wilde accountable and in such an entertaining way, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Thank God, at least it's interesting. <laughs> um, but well, no, and it's great press for the movie. I'll definitely watch it. I, I hear it's bad, but I'll watch it. Um, there was, uh, yeah, there. The, this cast is really wild too. Like, there's a still of the movie um, that has the comedian Kate Berlant in it. Um, who's famous uh, for many things, including being subversive and, uh, you know, the the tweet with the picture of her in the movie with, like, ask Kate what she knows. And I'm very excited and maybe 10 years for it all to come out. And, you know, I am probably, I would probably not have watched this movie before and I will watch it now. So excellent job all around.
I think it'll be two years or even one. Like, I really do think it's sort of an American crime story, don't worry, darling, situation. Oh, my God. All the jokes about uh, Ryan Murphy casting this. <laughs> I love. I love it. It's true, though. It's so stupid. Well, um, congratulations to Valentino um, on getting great press uh, for mm-hmm. Florence Pugh. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have perhaps a story that we have been following for a, a, an incredibly long amount of time. I think this podcast is close to being on the forefront, but not necessarily on the forefront of it. Speaking and of Ryan Murphy. Speaking of Ryan Murphy, Leah Michelle debuted, had her first performance in Funny Girl after a long, dramatic entrance into this musical. Um, the reports came in from um, several different places. They were all talking about how many standing O's she got before intermission. Um, and then the other big story of, she got four. And then one of the big stories of note in the first act was that there was, uh, there's a line in the musical that reads, I don't read many books. And um, several members of the audience gasped and laughed at the line. Um, and then by the end of the night, she had gotten six standing ovations, possibly seven, all led by Jonathan Groff. So we can't necessarily talk about the merit. Lots of news ah. about <laughs> lots of news about standing ovations this week. Um, four minutes, six standing ovations, um, and. She was unofficially reviewed by the Post as well. I I don't know if you saw this review, and they were like, "Yeah, she was really good." Um, what what do you think, Kayla? I mean, I was following Jay Hunt and Robert Ackerman, who have uh, who uh, guested on the podcast before, and who originated the Leah can't read meme. Uh, they were both at opening night. I think that they both are putting a moratorium on like talking about this anymore. Cause I think as if you want to listen to our Leah Michelle episode, where we review her album, uh, Oh God, loud. What is it? Louder. Louder. (laughs) I was close. I was close. Um, and can you believe it's called louder? Anyway, (laughs) talk a little bit about, about their experience with the meme and how it impacted their personal lives on that, um, on that uh, episode of our podcast. And I know that I, I feel like, uh, from what I've seen, it's, it's sort of amplified certainly with all of this, with Leah giving, uh, before she opened uh, Funny Girl, giving an interview with the New York Times where she directly talks about it, about the Leah Michelle can't read meme, and uh, said that she didn't, (laughs) she said that she thought it was sexist, and if she was a man, people would (laughs) have wouldn't be saying that about her um and i can't even begin to unpack that so i'll just leave it to you to do well, it well and she also said <laughs> if i were to address it head on it would look petty but i went to sat every day <laughs> and went, i knew my lines on going <laughs> <laughs> she never said she can read. <laughs> never once. Never says that she can read. And you know what? I I actually do think at this point it would be funnier. It would be more interesting if she just came out and said that she couldn't read. I really think that that is the redemption. It would be the best move that she could do. But it also seems like she 
like there is so much stuff that she's not even attempting to have a redemption arc for like in the new york times interview when she was yeah. asked about her racism and she said she like didn't want to drag up the past like what it, but she said she'd been working on herself like okay Leah. like like that's the stuff that really is like i don't know about that you know like that mm. really woof you know we can like she can be funny girls she wants but like that's kind of the stuff that's really to me like whoa the just like the blatant willingness to engage with her own behavior and blaming it on perfectionism blaming it on uh other people like it, when it's like honey if you're doing the work like you might be able to hold yourself accountable and it might free you a little bit like just i don't know it's it, her saying that made me think she's not doing the work at all and that this is you know a a really uh, unfortunate repetition of a prevalent pattern, which is to give very talented and, and pretty white people a pass, you know? And I don't know, anyway. No, I agree with you. I mean, the one of the pull quotes was, I have an edge to me. And so like, and and that need for perfectionism can make me sort of like, whatever. There was no, there was no, conscious sort of um like she just did she didn't come out and say hey what i did before was bad and yeah. and, and was racist you know if, if she if she would have just acknowledged that yes that was a miss i mean that was bad it was racist and i'm trying to do better i would you know i would have it in my heart well to say okay let's see what's going to happen with this performance let's see what's going on with your career but you're not right. and let's see what the people that you've actually worked with if they feel like they want to engage with you or or and like it's not on them to offer forgiveness but like let's defer to that yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And also they said that her, her behavior backstage is sort of like scarily nice. I don't know if they said scarily, but like incredibly like overly nice. And so to me, it seems like she's taking that same perfectionism that she had on stage and bringing it backstage without having any sort of like actual empathy for the people that are around her. Like instead it's, I'm buying you all a, like a, Starbucks every morning so that you don't say bad things about me in the press. Um, Yikes. Well, apparently she's crushing it. The videos looked good. She they did. performing very well. And people want us to keep thinking about how to separate the art from the artist. So I'll keep thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm, and I'm also not going to sit here and say that I'm like super virtuous because I have thought about getting tickets when I'm in New York in February. <laughs> like, I am interested. Oh, yeah. I think uh, two more things, and then we should probably move on to our next news item because we had a bet on how long this episode was going to take, <laughs> and we're really taking our time. But I did want to mention that, um, uh, oh, what did I want to say? And it was about, Oh, I, I saw I saw Julie Banco, who's currently doing the role because Leah Michelle now has COVID. That's the thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was great. Um, and there uh, was one other thing that was on my mind, but I can't remember. So if I remember, we'll bring it up. And if not, um, 
I'm good to move on. I think she's taken up enough of our airtime, but it is all very funny, girl. <laughs> it is. Um, no, I have to say it. It was about the costumes. It was oh, yeah. about the costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really changed the costumes for Leah, and uh, it's bad. It was noticed, and it, it was written about, too. Like, I mean let's just talk about it and then we'll go we'll, we'll, right. we'll do we'll do less time on other things so yeah, there was well, I, I think that it can be summed up very quickly which is that the the co costumes when beanie was in the show and when julie was understudying her had a lot more coverage particularly the dress at the end and they've seemed to both upgrade the dress for leah michelle's uh joining the cast and also shortened it tightened it like there's no sleeves anymore everything about it's different except the color scheme which is brighter though it's brighter yeah. so uh, it just yeah it's nuts but i mean it also is not surprising and it's not surprising the costumes were objectively bad like when the show opened yeah. <laughs> like and they're so they're not cute. They're not I, cute. They're like, I mean, I'm great. I'm down for a redesign if you're rebranding the show, but like the the choices were also just like, you know, they changed it because a smaller body was going in, into those costumes. And it's sort of obvious that they did that. And it's not fair because I'm sure that Beanie would have looked just as great in a sleeveless oh, um, beaded so gown, cute. too. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway. So um yeah fuck whatever let's move on let's move on so let's talk about uh britney and elton dropped tiny dancer um the song where uh, which is like the second i think in a in songs with by elton collaborating with pop queens that sample his own work um it was successful the first time around what do you think about it this time yeah, the first time with Dua, a hit. The second time, a hit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll support Britney no matter what she does almost at this point. Um, and I think the song is strong. It's fine. It's fun. Um, there was a leaked version of it prior to the public version of it in which Britney had a little bit more to do. I think that Britney's vocals could be brought up a little higher in the mix. Like, I would like to hear her more. Um, but I think it's a cute song. I'll put it on all my playlists. It's great. What do you think? I'm not running to it, frankly. I well, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's fine for me, and I agree. And I also agree with you. Her, she doesn't have a lot to do in it, so it kind of just feels like she tossed off a vocal, and then, um, and they put out a song that should do well because they're both legends. But I mean, I if we're gonna bill it as like a comeback single for Britney, I want more for Britney to do personally. But it's fine. It's not bad. It's certainly not bad. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, recently, it, the Little Mermaid live action dropped a first look at Hallie, um, of Chloe and Hallie. Hallie Bailey, right? Bailey is the last yeah. name. Hallie Bailey doing the Little Mermaid. Um, and I would love to start on this one. I thought it was fucking stunning. I was like, these vocals are really, really good already. And there's just enough freshness. There's just enough Hallie brought to it, but it still references, you know, the, the tried and true Little Mermaid. And I just think it's, it's so good. I'm excited. Of the Disney live actions, this seems like one I really want to watch. What do you think? 
Yes, I I mean, Hallie, voice of an angel, like that's who we want playing the part. I do, uh, you know, it, it's fine. I, I think all of these Disney reboots are kind of like, <laughs> oh, but this one, you're right, is rises high in the list of the ones that I have anticipated. So I hope it's great. I love Hallie. I hope it's amazing. But I, yeah, this whole concept... Uh, at first I was like yes I'm here for it and now they've done it with like almost everything and I'm like I'm tired y'all just let it live just (laughs) except for this one except for this one I guess so anyway no I feel the same way it's sort of like Taylor re-releasing her albums it was really exciting the first time around and by the time we get to the last one I'm gonna be like well great okay cool anyways we'll see though I haven't tired of it yet the first two were solid (laughs) I already got tired of it but I think that's because I'm jaded (laughs) oh my god let's fight about it (laughs) We'll write about it in our Midnight's episode. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait for Midnight's. Look out for when that comes out. Look out. All right. So now it's time to talk about um, an album. Right? No, Am I missing One anything? more thing. One more thing. Oh, my God. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> the queen died (laughs) so when I was (laughs) I was in class on Tuesday or Thursday Thursday when it happened I look up and one of the kids in my class is like this you can't see hands clasped over mouth shocked like think like the Stefan guy from SNL and uh I was like what is going on and this student was like the queen died (laughs) I didn't have a great initial reaction the first thing I said was I thought she was going to I'm sorry I'm a little little conflicted like on one hand RIP but then on the other hand her country should have colonized literally every single one of my ancestors and looking back on it I'm like oh if those kids were British like I hope they didn't feel that bad, but also maybe they should have had to contend with that as the first uh, opinion to hit their ears because of then the internet discourse that's been following, the discourse around uh, colonialism and imperialism in the UK's role, in particular, Queen Elizabeth II's role in all of that, and then also, you know, the Meghan Markle stuff that has come out. So, uh, yeah, as a an Irish and Hong Kong Chinese person, it I, I just I didn't handle it very respectfully, but I don't think that I should over that I owe that to anyone. <laughs> what was where were you when you learned the queen died? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was in a similar place. I was actually in my office, and there was a meeting going on between one of our directors and a student, and the student was like, "Yeah, I've been on TikTok all morning because the queen died." <laughs> <laughs> to say oh my god and i was like i i don't know it really i I am am certainly not um studied enough to to talk about the queen's specific interactions with colonialism other than i know that like the queen is sort of known for like her 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 shtick is to do nothing um and err on the side of conservatism and so that has been frustrating in several instances in the past. So I, um, you know, she seemed like a funny lady at the end, but other than that, I don't really have much of a take. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Well, she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> uh, one of uh, <laughs> actually, I have to tell you this off pod. I can't, but it's really funny. Um, no, that <laughs> okay. It's her break. It's her break. Yeah, it's her break. Into the tell it soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So we've talked and thought long and hard about what album we should bring to you as our season four opener. Um, and we, we couldn't, we couldn't decide on just one or well, we did decide on just one, but we couldn't land on one. So we put it to the public. We put it to our fans and you guys decided that we would talk about special by Lizzo this week. You know, I have to jump in and say that we, this is still the audience vote, but as of the last time I checked, which was earlier this afternoon, Glitter has made some headway. So the final vote count was five votes for Lizzo's special, four votes for Mariah's Glitter, um, and uh, among, <laughs> although 50% of the votes for Mariah's Glitter were Justin and me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, Justin. I'm sorry to interject. I uh, I heard I didn't mean to turn you on and said this one. We're doing glitter and it didn't work. <laughs> but whatever. Um, so a special was released July 15th, 2022. It was on our list to do as kind of an end of season last season. However, Beyonce dropped and we dropped everything to review Beyonce instead. Um, but where were you July 15th, 2022 and what were your thoughts or, and what are you, what's your interactions with Lizzo to date? I think that I was on either in or on my way to Suwannee, Tennessee, where I was working at the writer's conference there. I, um, you know, I was an early Lizzo fan. I remember watching her work in like 2016, and which isn't even that early of a fan for her because she was in the Minnesota scene, the Minneapolis St. Paul scene for a long time before that. Um, but I, at the time, was following a number of like plus size influencers, and then a few of them were in one of her videos. And I heard the song and I was like, this is so cool. This is so fun. So that was my first interaction with Lizzo. I followed her ever since. It's been so wild to see her blow up on this kind of mainstream scale because I didn't know or think that was possible. So that's really exciting. Overall, I have a really positive um, relationship with Lizzo, although we'll talk about, we'll talk further, but I think that, um, yeah, I'm, I would say uh, I've been a fan for over five years in various capacities and um, I'm interested to talk about this album. What about you? <laughs> Um, you have been you I remember you being like, yeah, I've been a Lizzo for years. And I was like, um we were just getting out of our like going going away from vacay, or maybe we were about to go on vacay, either one. Um I was somewhere around St. Pete Beach when this dropped. Yeah, right after, right after. Right after. So I was in I was in Atlanta or above I was in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, and I listened to it twice when it dropped because um, we were with our friend of the pod, Kennedy, who um, is a big pop culture fan as well. 
Um, and I hated it immediately, but, um, but Jeremy liked it and that made me feel not seen. Um, in terms of my, uh, interactions with Lizzo, I thought her first album was pretty good. It seemed like there was a lot of promise there. I liked the instrumentals a lot and it seemed like Lizzo had more depth to share with us. So I was excited to follow her career, but then with this drop, it's just been so coordinated with TikTok and also coordinated with the Yitty drop, which is her shapewear line that I just feel, it feels overly consumerist. And I sort of ran away um, from the music because I didn't like it. But well, let's I'm, talk about this album because I think there's a lot in what you just said that will be pertinent. Agreed. All right, let's talk about The Sign, um, our first song. What do you think of The Sign? Um, the first thing that I have in my notes that I'll share <laughs> is have you all talking to the listeners and to you directly, Justin, have Amazing. you seen that TikTok where they're talking about gossip in a group friend chat and they say immunity necklace? <laughs> no, yes, I have because you sent it to me. <laughs> yeah, I did. Anyway, immunity necklace. No, I'm not gonna I'm I what I'm hoping to give is like a nuance and very supportive critique but the and that's the first thing i have in my notes is immunity <laughs> um the sign is fine there's some nice opening lines here really strong opening lines to an album it is it ultimately doesn't hit deeper though and that will become a theme i give it like a seven out of ten i think it's a strong opening song for an album it's cute it introduces us to the flavor and sound but it doesn't really like get at anything i think what do you think yeah, it's, you know, as far as these statements for an album go, there's a lot about self-care in it. She's been... Uh, I like that. I Making like that. smoothies. Um, and she's been healing. We love she's that. She's been healing. Yeah, yeah. Um, my take on this specific... So I think it introduces what she's doing on the album well. Like, it certainly tells, it tells us where we're going to go, which is great when it comes to a thesis statement. Um... And it's catchy enough as well, um, but the vocals for me are really bright. Like Lizzo's shtick is that she sort of sings through a smile, which is fun, um, but it also gets like, the nuance gets lost and it just sort of seems like, you know, there's, she has an interesting way of like going from talking to singing back to talking, but it doesn't feel artful here. Um, I don't disagree, yeah. Yeah. It's so, fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's like a, it's like a sitcom, you know? It's like a network sitcom. But let's, let, I would give it... Uh... <laughs> I kind of want to keep a running tally of all the similes and metaphors we make on this episode because I have some choice ones coming up. Erin, <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> First one is like a network sitcom. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would give it a 6.5 out of 10. Let, let's talk about, we've talked about this song on the podcast before, but we can talk about it in the context of this album. Um, the lead single, I believe, About Damn Time. What do you think, Kayla? I still think it's fun. I still think there's a question over, if you listen to Renaissance, we talk about, about Damn Time. Um, I think the 
I stand by everything I say in that episode. I don't know if it's the song of the summer, but it is fun. I do think the second verse, the verse that went viral on the on TikTok, the in a minute, I'm gonna need a sentimental. Um, I do think it's one of the stronger lyrics on the album. Overall, this is a nine out of ten for me. It's fun, it's poppy, it's catchy, it is a huge hit, and I like it. Yeah, no, I mean, if we're, I, it, I think that this one hit on TikTok for a reason. Like, it was good. That that little section was fun. It's fun to say it was catchy. That's what you want from pop music. And I like the, I like, it's thick thirty. I think that that's a really yeah, funny cute. line. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I would give it a nine out of ten as well. Absolutely. Um. I can't, I don't have a lot more to say, but let's talk about girls. G R R O S. Um, I'll start with this one. Um, every song or a, a lot of the song songs start with the profanity. Um, this one is no different. I think it's, it's Hey Bitch, right? Or what is it? Let me look up the lyrics really fast. Um, but they all start with like a, like a funny sort of one-liner, which I think is really great. But sometimes like it's only funny the first time. So then if you were to listen to this album over and over again, it's not going to work every time. Um, yeah, it starts with bitches up, bitches hold my back, bitch hold my back. And I'm, you know, I'm not a prude. I'm just, it's, it seems like the same gimmick over and over again. <laughs> no, I think that you're getting at a really central critique of this album, which is that a lot of the gimmicks, which are fun and which do work the first time, are then repeated, and that gets hard. And also, you know, I feel like I want to acknowledge, like, I feel like, I feel weird dunking on Lizzo, not dunking on her, just engaging with her music in a critical way, because she is this symbol of like body positivity and black femininity and like i feel like she has a sort of sacred place in our culture for a reason and i think that like you know i have been a fan for over half a decade and so i really respect her artistry and her work but i do think it's important that we engage with this album on like the level that we engage with all our other albums on. And like, I think this critique about a repeated gimmick is really central to why this, the conversation we're going to continue to have about this album, I think, uh, on this episode. So I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I do think that this is, I wrote fine. I don't know. I think this is a nice song to play at a party, seven out of 10. It's a good song cute song it's fun yeah yeah i agree and i i think you're right like i there's a reason artists hit when they do and like and because she has been a beacon for for body positivity for self-care for taking care of yourself like there's a reason that she's hit there and i and i think i expect a lot from her because i know she's a strong artist so i want to see what happens when she engages with material with just a little bit more depth but we'll talk about it more as we go Totally. I think something else to note, and I didn't, I, I think I have in my notes to talk about this later, but like, I think it's germane now. She wrote like 175 to 200 songs that could have been on this album that are like done written songs. So like, she's a prolific songwriter. And I 
do have this question of depth, like if she covered a lot of ground and maybe didn't really dig deep on some of it. Anyway, we'll talk about it forever. Keep going. <laughs> yes. Okay. So next up, this we'll definitely talk about on this one. Uh, to be loved. Um, with um, what do you think? I wrote that this is a catchy song with a classolism message about like being ready to be loved, valuing yourself. Um, I do like the key change. We love a key change here on this podcast. <laughs> I do think this is a pretty typical pop song. I don't know. It's fun. Eight out of ten. Yeah. Um, in terms of first lines, there it's uh, "Girl, I'm about to have a panic attack," which like is kind of funny like it it is kind of funny and i remember laughing the first time that i heard it so i, I like it it worked um and it is i like also like the sort of uh i'm i don't know my I'm, i don't know my references but it has a retro f- feel to it is it like it's not disco is it more 70s would you say i don't know I, I don't even know. Uh, I, I would have to do more homework, but it feels to me like sort of like, you know, there's horns. It feels almost a little bit like Earth, Wind and Fire, like, you know, like that's kind of disco. Yeah. 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 Kind of disco. Um, it, But it does kind of like she's, you know, she went on RuPaul to sort of promote this album. It does feel sort of like a RuPaul recycled philosophy put into a pop song, which like isn't necessarily a bad thing because she really like she reaches a mass audience who hasn't necessarily heard RuPaul say this over and over again for, you know, 12 seasons or 14 seasons of a show. Right. So it's uh, I would give it a seven out of ten. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, I love you, bitch. Here are my notes. I wrote, <laughs> I don't really dot, dot, dot. Okay. That was my first listen. My <laughs> second listen, I said, I don't even mind the central gimmick. I just don't like the repetition. So yeah. here's the thing with the song, most of the chorus is the words, I love you, bitch, which is, again, it's funny for one line of a chorus but for it to be like three lines out of a four line chorus it's you know um it brought to mind for me beyonce's renaissance uh in terms of lyrical construction that the reason one of the many reasons why i think so many of us venerate renaissance is that the lyrics just keep coming you hear one thing that gags you and then the next line she said something else that gags you we're not uh, there is repetition but it is peppered with like new variations and that's this song sort of exemplifies sitting in one joke again sitting in one gimmick what do you think i think i said seven out of ten what do you think um I one I was I was confused that it was was it about a romantic partner or a best friend because it starts off romantic purposefully ambivalent okay like that it was supposed to be purposefully misleading which is another conversation about this album that I'll have on a later song about like Lizzo's identity and relationship to like queerness Um, yeah yeah I, I, yeah, I want to have that conversation. I also, there's, a, there is a literal lyric in here that is, you are the most specialist. And I, I simply can't. I like, 
that is giving the word adulting to me in terms of lyricism. Like there, we can yeah. do better. Okay, <laughs> this also brings up uh, in in terms of our last season closer was uh, Beyonce's Renaissance, which I think frankly has only grown shinier in my eyes since we reviewed it. Like I would give all songs like a twenty out of ten. <laughs> I've been listening to it borderline obsessively, like at least once a day, if not more, and yeah. I love it so much. But I think uh, to to bring up another bad lyric that on all up in your mind, Beyonce says, "You give me that really good feeling that I need." And that's <laughs> one moment on the album where I check the fuck out. I'm like, "How could you let this happen?" And it reminds me of most specialists, but but it's sort of tongue in cheek when Lizzo does it. But when Beyonce does really good feeling, I'm just <laughs> like, "Oh, that you really did that." <laughs> I know that was the it's that's the most hyper pop Beyonce gets is you <laughs> give me that really good feeling that I need. <laughs> <laughs> I I took issue with I love you bitch. I would give it a five out of ten. Whoa. Feeling mean, darling. Wow. All right. <laughs> um, let's talk about special. I'm making you go first every time because you I think are actually nicer than I in this. Well, this is this is another simile or metaphor for the books I wrote that this is I'm so Sorry, Lizzo, I really love you, but I do think you can do better lyrically. Because I wrote, this is the equivalent of a TJ Maxx slash Marshall sign in the bathroom, a la live, laugh, love. I don't know. Am I a horrible person? Six out of ten. <laughs> it's like, you're special, unless you forgot, like, you're special. And again, like, there's not a whole lot of new, like, it is clearly, like, a personal and repeated mantra in the Lizzo canon. It's very much on brand, but it's it's hard for me because it doesn't really, like, go there. I don't know. What do you think? No, I actually think, I have notes, but I think what you said is is putting me on a thought train. Like, the thing about TJ Maxx and Marshall signs is that there are two genres, right? It's like there's like that toxic positivity sort mm -hmm. of sign that you put up in your workplace in order to like encourage yourself to go further. And then the other genre is like wine loving signs right <laughs> which is indicative of a society that's like work really hard and then get super drunk and don't think about your issues at all and like i don't know just like jamming the thought that you're special down our throats and and, and she's also telling herself that she's special because the song deals with like her dealing with online haters and my thought is like why not work out in a song what about what they say triggers you on a deeper level and then bring us that song as opposed to this song that just says i'm special these tro trolls suck i don't know it just doesn't seem like she's yeah. scratching a deeper itch <laughs> i mean and also i don't think she owes us that like i don't no. think she yeah. owes us her online trauma certainly the trolls really do come after her and certainly it's nothing to be seen as that like i wouldn't want to like like i am on the internet at the same time as her like i see what people post and i think it's gotta be really fucking tough yeah and i also don't think she owes any of that to us right like she could she could simply not address it and i think for this song to come out of that it's 
I, I, I'm happy she's able to reframe it, but I feel like there's more there. Yeah. I, that's, I don't know. And if she wants to give it to us, you know, if she wants to share, which she does because she's doing it. I don't know. I sort of agree with you, but I, I kind of don't because it's sort of giving like a place of fuck the haters, right? Like with our, and we see that time and time again, like when a reality star is backed into a corner, their, their best line is sort of, oh, fuck the haters, they don't matter. Um, and, and it's usually when they're not dealing with a, something else that's like a deeper rooted issue as to why they're, you know. Well, I don't think that's necessarily what's happening here, though, because the message isn't fuck the haters. The message is you're special. Yeah. Everyone is special. And I agree with that. I think actually I screenshotted a part of the New York Times review that had to do with this song. So let me read it. Um, it. Um, she the the lyric is in case nobody told you today you're special lizzo sings on the title track briefly oh this is from the new york times briefly abdicating her role as the rap game may west to become a millennial mr rogers Whoa. <laughs> um uh yeah i think <gasps> the deal is that it, 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 it's unrelentingly positive and it's also interesting there's a conversation within like like sort of like bigger bodies online about positivity body positivity and body neutrality which is like the difference between always having to feel positive about your body and viewing your body as a material thing that shepherds whatever um you know in untangible intangible spiritual parts of us that you know are here on earth i don't know i just wish uh yeah didn't always have to be about feeling good but that's also my personal thing you know it's sort of like i don't think we always have and she's not on this album but overwhelmingly the songs are you know we go high you know and Sometimes that's not always the answer to trolls, you know, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, no, no. I actually, I think that that you, you bring up a great point in terms of positivity, positivity versus neutrality and it, and unrelentingly positive is a, a great phrase to sort of to stick to describe a lot of these songs. Um, Which like, could we all use more positivity? Yes. Could it be more nuanced? Also? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about breakup twice. Um, I like where this uh, where this chorus sits in her voice. I think it's really really nice. Um, and I also like there are moments in this where she gets a little bluesier and a little dirtier with her vocals, and that seems like it could be a good direction for her for another album. Um, and I think the song is pretty fine. I would give it an eight out of ten. I noted the sort of nod to or, or musical influence I heard of Red Hot Chili Peppers in the hook that starts the song. I'm sorry, I just wrote, this is all my notes on the song I wrote, I'm bored 6 out of 10. <laughs> I feel like our listeners are going to hate us for this episode. Like, I feel like such a villain. But, like, I really have to tell you that I, like... Stan Lizzo and I just want her to bring us the good. You know, I don't know. Um, no, I don't think we're villains for being truthful about like this album. 
I, yeah. I, I really do think that it's like an important conversation to be brought up in terms of like, you know, the, the prevailing attitude around mental health and self-care and positivity has like can become toxically positive and it feels sort of personified on this album and I feel like that's a conversation that should be had and it's okay for Lizzo to have given us this album but I don't know to go just to like you said to make the statement that I made 178 songs and these are the 12 that we picked <laughs> yeah oh, speak on everybody's gay which I'm hoping that we can maybe fight about this is by far my favorite drag <laughs> Oh, no, actually, no, I think we're going to agree on this. Oh, good. Um, okay. I wrote This Is Fun, I think. It's a it's a funky little song. We cannot forget that Lizzo was mentored by Prince. Uh, you know, like, that matters. Yeah. Uh, the, I wrote that the mask off lyrics bug me. There's mm -hmm. a line that about we can take our masks off, which I think is meant metaphorically, but so few metaphors on this album. I had to take it literally about. Well, she COVID. mentions COVID in the first track too. I think yeah. this is a bona fide second COVID mention. Keep going. Uh, and I wrote the problem that this is too gimmicky. There is no metaphor on this album. Just hammering it really home. <laughs> I still gave it a nine out of ten. What about? <laughs> You said, we're going to agree on this track, and then, <laughs> um, no, I like it. I think there's some thriller references here, yeah, you know, absolutely. about freaks and monsters, and that's fun. Um, she has at least four jokes, which I think speaks to what you were talking about with the Beyonce album, where there's just, like, thing after thing after thing. Lizzo's got at least four lyrics that are different from each other in this, um, <laughs> um, yeah and i also mentioned the mask offline i would give it a 9.5 out of 10 okay great <laughs> let's talk um naked i wrote yeah truly no metaphor jesus <laughs> <laughs> all of these songs need a second pass like edit wise on there um, essentially when i Okay, so this is one of our first ballads of the album. It's about being naked, particularly in a bigger, bigger body. And with that comes vulnerability, but it's not about vulnerability as like in nakedness as metaphor. It's about literally being naked with someone else. I don't know. I don't know how else I can put it. I and the thing is, she's an icon. Like she's such an icon, and this album is doing fantastically well, no matter what we think about it. And frankly, we're giving a lot of these songs at least a seven to nine out of ten. I just want to speak. I think maybe she needs more co-writers. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Like me, there is something to having twenty writers on a song. Like I don't know. What do you think? No, I was looking at the writers as we were going through, and it was funny because it, this is a big ticket album in terms of like you've got Mark Ronson and M Max Martin on a lot of these tracks, and those are the two pop producers right now that really get a lot Absolutely. of work. And I and and most of the content is about self love, um, and um, this one in particular, um, uh, you know, about being naked uh, in front of someone literally that's the song um and i don't think that max martin or mark ronson are bringing that like the lyrical content 
is Lizzo. And I would, I think you're right. I think she would benefit from a second artist who like would help her flesh these ideas out a little bit more um, and bring in a, like a couple metaphors would be lovely. My, I'm not going to, to speak to the themes of this song um, in particular, but I do think musically it does call for a softness, which she gives you in the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, but then she gets to, um, a key change and a guitar solo and then really belts it. And it, it feels like the musical approach is um, not necessarily congruent with the themes that she's presenting. And so I just kind of, I, I get a bit of a disconnect from the song itself. No, I hear that. It feels like, that feels like a production issue though. That feels like, yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. That feels like production. Fuck Max for that. Fuck <laughs> Max. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, this song, this album has such a pop pedigree, and and I think it delivers in pop hits. We'll talk about. I have some more notes on on the poppiness of it all. We can keep going. Okay, um, let's talk uh, birthday. I'll start because we've been talking about transitions a lot recently on this podcast and albums that are created as a whole work. Um, and this was the most jarring transition I've ever gotten between yeah. songs. I was like, this is bad. Um, which speaks to her writing uh, 178 songs and just cherry picking 12 singles. Um, there's a Well, we don't know that that was her process, but it does seem like it. Yeah, it, it feels like everything is sort of radio ready. Um, mm -hmm. And that's and, and a great way to make an album. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the, she references 11 and 11. And I also, I always think that if you're like, like with a Christmas album, any song about a birthday feels a bit like a cash grab to me. And this one um, felt like that. This is what I wrote. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like an album to be played at weddings and birthday parties, which isn't bad. It's just specific. I don't know. That was my first lesson. Second lesson I wrote. Oh, no. I'm so sorry, everyone. This is what I wrote. This is not good. <laughs> and then I wrote, here's Lizzo, the new Katy Perry. I have a lot to say about this. The first time I listened, I rated it a six out of ten, and then the second time a five out of ten. And I can expound upon the Katy Perry point a lot, which is I do see a real similarity in how they churn out pop hits, bona fide, can't argue with them, fucking bops, great songs, and then the albums are bad. They churn out visuals that are iconic but are one note gimmicky. They return to the same gimmicks over and over and repeat them instead of deepening them. And I think that there's a real corollary here between Catherine Perry and Lizzo. I don't know. I think it's a strong argument. I absolutely agree with you. We were literally just talking about albums full of singles, and that's all that Katy Perry does. And and then, you know, and there's not a level of cohesion. And I do think that, I, I don't know, and this is probably a really pessimistic take, but there is a lot on this album about po body positivity. And then there's like, a, you know, a shapewear that came out at the, the same time that the album was released. And that, like, that does feel deliberate to a certain extent. And... 
I don't know. I have stuff to say about this because I actually own Yiddy pieces. Is it good? Do you like it? It's fucking good. The first time I put it on, like my, I was like, yes, it's it's quality. I don't think it's worth what she's charging. You have to get the Fathletics deal or whatever. I mean, quality shapewear. Folks have compared it to skims and then all the tests on skims i have don't have any skims because i can't afford even secondhand skims <sighs> um so i don't buy it and uh but the the yitty stuff is pretty fucking strong like i i was a little gagged i was like Liza, you really did the fucking thing i mean of course you know she just has in, input and and notes and final say or whatever but like it it's quality shit and i think that there is not an inherent tension between like i'm interested in a lot of what she <clears throat> i think ex- to to mm, regurgitate what i see her going through is a lot of internet trolls but also a heightened amount of trolls when say she uh she did a juice fast during covid she did like a like a liquid diet and she got a lot of online hate for it a lot of it from like the quote unquote body positivity community because you know she wanted to change her body which is something i see happening over and over with plus size influencers is if god forbid they want to treat their body like they're the ones living in it and they want to make changes like they're the ones living in it like they get a lot of online hate because it's like oh they hate being fat or they hate being in a bigger body or whatever it may be and it's uh you know i think it's really a conversation too that comes up a lot about like feminism like we support women's choices but only when they want to be strong and independent and like like they when they're not engaging in sex work or when they're like these are very different conversations but they have unfold in a lot of the same ways and spaces online where like once a person particularly a woman makes a choice about their own body that doesn't have to do with what the quote unquote feminist viewer on the other side of the scene screen sees it's suddenly like all bets are off you can't do that like like this your body doesn't belong to you it belongs to the collective you know like which you know there's something to be said for the collective but also like if we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of it like those decisions i firmly believe if you ascribe to feminism body neutrality body positivity whatever you want to call it like those decisions are for the individual to make about their own body you know and so i think that it's it's a really nuanced conversation because i think that you know when lizzo say puts out shakespeare or when she wants to go on a juice fast or a liquid diet or whatever it is that she wants to do with her own body she gets an inordinate amount of internet chatter about it which uh i i think to me in my eyes ends up being super hypocritical because like she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Although, you know, she's selling you something, you don't have to buy it. Like you don't have to buy shapewear. But I'll say as a Yiddy unsponsored well, <laughs> like it's it's not bad. You know, and sometimes you want a little something. Sometimes you just want everything to just like sit right. 
No, I, and I'm not attacking her. No, I hear that. I'm not that, saying like, that you are. I realized halfway through my rant, I was like, I'm not. I don't want to correlate <laughs> the wrong things, and I don't think that you're saying things along the line. I just had my little rant. No, and I think that that's a. It, it's a, a an excellent point to bring up. And all I will say is that, like. It, what I don't like about pop, and you can say this about R, and you can say this about Lady Gaga as well, and and Beyonce to a certain extent, it, is the recent trend that we've seen, which is matching sort of the brand of your albums to the brand of the products that you're pushing. So none of the music that you like come out with can be at odds with the product that you're showing and that feels like it's not serving the art for me which makes me sad but i'm also a pop music fan and it's all about like money so i i probably just have to get over that i did hear the new house labs foundation is amazing have you tried it yet i hear it's good i haven't purchased it i just keep hearing it's incredible so i know well i, I but i'm born also, this way <laughs> i don't know if i trust that it's good it just because it seems like there's just so many tiktoks about it that is it just an industry push i don't know i guess I i'll have to try probably it. but i'll try it <laughs> no, but i do think this comes back to a conversation about um, how artists engage with capitalism that you brought up at the very top of the podcast that I think is super important to this album because it does feel like both, uh, yeah, it feels like it's living in that land. Yeah. Let's talk about, <laughs> wow, birthday really bringing up a poignant conversation. <laughs> um, let's talk about If You Love Me. <laughs> I wrote... Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I wrote, I have no notes, but in a bad way this time. <laughs> like, this is truly TikTok music meant to be listened to in small bursts. Thematically and sonically a little similar to Naked without developing the theme 6 out of 10. Absolutely. It's a sister song to Naked. It's so boring. And I uh, don't care about it. Um, 6 out of 10. Great. <laughs> Let's go to Coldplay. Speaking of capitalism. Uh, <laughs> does, she, does she not know that? No, I'm going to make a very in Asian joke. But does she not know that Yellow now belongs to Asians after John Chu wrote that note to Co Coldplay about crazy rich Asians? Like, she can't sample it. I'm just kidding. She totally can't, but not this badly because it's not horrible. What the fuck is happening with this song? I wrote in my notes, I have no idea what's going on, and I don't know. It's not great. Six out of ten. I, I know that this song, actually, I read other reviews of the album after I wrote my notes. Other reviews talked about this song. It's, like, good. I can't hear it. I'm so, I, I don't like Coldplay. I'm sorry. I don't like any, like, the, the thing about the Crazy Rich Asians thing is it's so funny because Coldplay is bad and Yellow is bad. I know Beyonce and Jay-Z like them, but it's bad. And, like, to put that in Crazy Rich Asians was objectively the worst choice artistically that's been made in the past century. I just, and then to start this song with it, I can't help but think of it because that's my Asian heritage keeping out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does feel like an album like that was sort of researched by a bot who was looking at mass culture. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the bot was like, what does mass culture like? Birthdays and Coldplay. <laughs> Our listeners are really going to hate us for this. <laughs> well, they, do you they like can... Coldplay? Like, do you just... No, I mean, I don't like Coldplay, but I think that straight people do. We I don't think... have any of those in our <laughs> <laughs> I don't think our audience likes Coldplay, but I do think I know, like, people who like Coldplay. Who? <laughs> um, One person who likes Coldplay, other than Beyonce and Jay-Z. If I named those people, they would know that I was making fun of them, so I simply cannot <laughs> name. <laughs> who likes That's even funnier. <laughs> um if i wrote anything poignant about this song which i don't believe that i did is that um this album feels like (laughs) i'm pulling it together i am (laughs) this album feels like it's usually like loud when it should be soft and it feels like fast when it should be slow (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> the song is so fast that I don't know what is happening. <laughs> it is. It's like they start with yellow, but it's not like Coldplay at all. It's like just about a time when you listen to Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so really sad. cringy. I bet a lot of people really like this song. <laughs> it's, the- hard. it's hard for me. I'm not a Coldplay fan. I don't like Chris Martin. I didn't like it when he was married to Gwyneth. I don't didn't like it when he dated Jennifer Lawrence. I don't like anything about him. This song is a lot like if uh, it's, it's a lot. Like... <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I can. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it's a lot like when Demi Lovato said she loved Panic at the Disco. <laughs> They do. He does. <laughs> they, they're just good bands. <laughs> Such good bands. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for hosting. <laughs> No. Um, I'm just choking. <laughs> choking over here. Okay. Crying. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite favorite songs? Um, definitely about damn time. Uh, um, everybody's gay. <laughs> and um, to be loved. <laughs> Uh, my two favorite are about damn time and everybody's gay. Thanks. So we're we're in agreement. I I won't I won't give a nod to to be loved. Um, I'm interested in your review of this album or your your uh, rating of this album. Um, since the beginning, we've rated on a boxed wine system. Uh, Franzia being the lowest, Boda Box being the highest. Um, we've frequently gone off the rails, including other beverages or substances that can be consumed. Um, Kayla, what would you rate this album? I don't know. This is hard. 
essentially I this is so rude but this is but this is the thing there's a lot here quantity wise and not a lot of quality it is for mass consumption it's very successful at that but that doesn't mean there are no like it like there are no hard edges so for me it's the vodka i drank in college georgie mixed with whatever you have on hand like it's a it's not necessarily a crowd pleaser but it'll get it's a crowd pleaser it'll get the job done um and it'll you'll have a good time um you won't be thinking about much and i think that's great yeah yeah vodka does that to you you don't think about much and you certainly have a good time i'll go in a similar direction um i think that this is specifically a house of love cocktail in a can by rupaul oh my god you're joking <laughs> oh my god <laughs> because uh, i think a cocktail have you had one by the no, way no of course okay. not so just going uh, on vibes vibes alone vibes alone well because canned cocktails are like kind of a scam to begin with oh my gosh it's wild and they, they are sort of like representative of capitalism as a whole because we went through the whole seltzer moment and then people were like but what if we did vodka sodas in a can or like i i don't believe you when you tell me that you've put a cosmopolitan in, in a can like it won't taste good um well, cosmopolitan sure some other things some yeah other things are doable um, but my favorite thing about, um, my favorite story I've ever heard about House of Love is that they brought it to like one of the drag cons that happened this year, but all of the cans were expired. So the girls got like sick at the, at the gigs because they were made to drink House of Love at all of the panels. And that's what you think this album is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, overall for me, it's just that I have high expectations for this artist and that I love her and I know that she's capable of a lot. And she does a lot on this album. It's just ultimately about investing in the, the work that she's putting out there. Like in particularly, I, I just think about I love you bitch having I love you bitch as the lyric for most lines of the song. Like it's like 50%, you know, it just, I think she can do better. Rhyme it with itch, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you. That's the reason, because this podcast typically likes to come at an album like like we like to review it from its like tonal perspective we and like to give 15s out of 10 and we like to meet an album where it's at like if it's giving fluff we like to meet it with fluff but this one it's a little bit hard to like be like fluff is okay i don't oh man i feel like i'm choosing the wrong worse than like the body sense of it. <laughs> but like you know what i mean like it's uh like I don't know. As like I'm I'm hmm, I'm struggling to to really articulate what I'm feeling here. Like 
I I feel like there are uh, artists who get critiqued so much in the public eye, like Lizzo. Yeah. Or like like Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato. For for, you know, race, for body type, for sexuality, whatever whatever it is, that it makes me personally not want to critique them artistically because they're so critiqued constantly physically you know uh mentally whatever it is and so it makes me really reluctant to like put out a lot of what i've said about this album but i i stand by it and that i think that there's a higher standard here that it's 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 good it's fine it's good and lastly uh I had a last point and it was amazing, but it's gone. Uh, I believe that it was amazing. And I, and I do think that you're right. Like Lizzo has stood a lot of criticism and I don't. It's like, hard to add to it, you know, yeah. it doesn't feel good to add to it. And it's not like we're being like, oh, this is bad, but just sort of being like, this could be better. Even that feels bad. Anyway, back to you. No, I agree. The sentiment is that well, I know that you're a good artist. I know that you have the capability for nuanced artistry. And I am excited to see and listen to what you do with a third album. And yeah. um, and you know what? Like a lot of people say, there's sort of the fourth album thing. Like you do three albums for the industry and then you do the fourth for yourself. So I can't wait to see what Lizzo does for herself. Truly. Well, and also, <clears throat> please refer to, I believe, it was last year's season opener solar power where we kind or i know i kind of panned solar power um in a very similar point range i think so uh it, it's 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 tough to see artists on like a second or third try miss i think it's tough yeah agreed should we get to a game let's do a game <laughs> Hello, and welcome to your game for Lizard's hey. Um I'm Erin, and I will be your host today. Hi, Erin. Hello. The title of the game is Break Up Twice. <laughs> and in this game, I will give you a celebrity couple, and you have to guess how many times they've broken up. Oh wow! Oh, you I can't always find new ways to make us look stupid, and I love it. <laughs> this is easier than the last game, and that's all I have to say about that. What? No, <laughs> you won that last game. I don't know about that. You were like, I know every star's energy. And back to you, Erin. All right. First up for Kayla, we have Elon Musk. And Tallulah Riley, how many times do you think that they've broken up? <laughs> Who the fuck is Tallulah Riley? <laughs> is that? No. Because that's... Um, the only Tallulah I know that's alive right now is Demi Moore's daughter. <sighs> it's the same person. 
We've stumped the host. Oh, I don't, um, I don't know any Tallulahs other than Demi Moore's. I know she's an actress. Um, well, let me, uh, I'll say that we, we, okay. So I can't ask any questions, huh? Like, is this post grind? No, this, this is a different Tallulah. Okay. Different Tallulah. Great. Yeah. Team. But Probably she is actress. She was in Westworld, apparently. Can I know if she's pre or post Grimes? Um, no. Okay, I'll say they've broken up once, twice, twice. Is that your final answer? Twice? Sure. The correct answer is three times. <laughs> Wait till we Sorry. only win if we get it right on the nose. Yes. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right, Justin, your celeb couple is Kate Middleton and Prince William. Uh, they've broken up one time. That is correct. I watched this. Um, I, I know the story. I'm a, I follow the queen. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> but um, I did watch the engagement coverage, and I know for a fact that they broke up once. It was during university, and then there was like a, a like a, a iconic university fashion show where Kate showed up in like a lingerie like look and made William jealous, and they got back together. Oh my to god, that is really boring. Yeah. <laughs> and races together. <laughs> right. All right, Kayla, your couple is Gigi Hadid and Zayn Malik. Ooh. Okay. At least twice. I'll see. Three times. That is so close but it was four times oh my gosh yeah wild remember when they um covered vogue and they were like we're close to non-binary because we wear each other's clothes celebrate <laughs> that oh my god thanks it was well they didn't say close to non-binary but that the sentiment was there <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> Justin, your couple is Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth. Wow, a time honored. They broke up twice. That is not correct. Is it They've three? No, it's four. Oh four my times. God. Four times. Um, yes. Wow. Well, the last one was the divorce. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kayla, you've got Hilary Duff and Matthew Coma. Oh. Is he her current husband? I cannot answer that question. How am I supposed to know who he is? Oh, my God. I think he um, is her current husband. Thank you. I'll say twice. It is only once. He is I'm going to say once, but I've been rounding up because I'm <laughs> coming in for it. Okay. <laughs> All right, Justin, you've got Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson. Woof. Wow, this one's really tough because I bet you they've broken up more times than the media knows. Um, but I know that they broke up big time, and then I know 
that they got back together, but she didn't say that they were together for a long time. Then they decided to have a kid together. Then they broke up again as chronicled on the hulu kardashian series so come back which is coming back (laughs) throw us 20 dollars frankly um call it 50 (laughs) 50. (laughs) two two times the correct answer is three times damn okay i guess okay (laughs) that's low I thought it I, I, you know, I bet it's like actually seven. Yes. The, these, these, uh, estimates are based on what we could discover on the internet within the past, um, two hours. So wow. uh, make of that what you will. Um, Kayla, your couple is Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber. Oh no, no, this is too hard. That's tough. That's what's known to the public. Oh my God. Yes. I would say it's- I would say four. The correct answer is three. Uh, See, this is why Justin's gonna win this game. <laughs> I am I am within the realm of possibility and Justin's just like gotten a couple right, but I'm close every time. I've only gotten one right, so you are I know in the game. that's more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure in the last game I only got one right. I know, exactly. It, all, all it takes is one. <laughs> you gotta have a game. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right justin your couple is justin and Haley bieber oh shit they're currently married <laughs> right i don't know they go to the hillsong church um you know what i want to say twice but i'm gonna say once that is correct they have only broken see? up one time see wow yeah pushing it i love it for you oh <laughs> <laughs> well right, kayla you've got courtney kardashian and scott disick Woof. So yeah, how this is the thing. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> how am I supposed to know how many times they've broken up? You can't know. You can't know. Uh, <laughs> None of us pu- public stuff. Public stuff. Mm, okay. <gasps> One, two, two. The correct answer is three no No. see i'm always so close and i always like spiritually have the right answer (laughs) this is like asking us if there was a second shooter when jfk got assassinated no it's not like that because i have a lot of hello and this is also that's a wild thing you just say okay i guess i'll add that to the simile metaphor list um <laughs> gonna have to start throwing out similes because i can't win this game this is like this is like 1400 bc because it's lawless <laughs> that's not true 1400 bc very strict laws uh, i never read the bible <laughs> 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 <Well>, okay. 
Justin, how many times do you think that Megan Fox and Brian Austin Green have broken up? Who the fuck is Brian Austin Green? Oh my god, you're too young. <laughs> All right. Well, I like it when I get to say that on this podcast. <laughs> I like I like hearing it. Uh, <laughs> I am going to go because I do not know twice. That is Correct. Fuck you. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, when in doubt, just reference <laughs> the title of the game. No. <laughs> he is. Oh my god. Oh, great. These are the last two. This is the last round. Kayla, how many times have Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee broken up? It doesn't really matter because I don't know. <laughs> Five. Uh, only three. No. Unfortunately. are just five. Probably five in, in reality. We may never know. Uh, but according to the internet, only three. Did you uh, see the Hulu series where his penis talked? Anyway. I'm never going to watch that. It's so disrespectful, though I do like Lily, though she is a piece of work. So all, all respect to everyone, but particularly Pam and because I love her. I do too. I love Chicago. her. Have you seen, yeah, have you seen the Chicago clips? Yeah, no, and they're good. Yeah, right? They're good. She's doing good. Anyway, that's all I have to say. The final question for Justin. How many times have... Evan Peters and Emma Roberts broken up. <gasps> oh my God, this is fraught. That's hard. I want to get it right just for fun, but I don't think that I will. Um, it must be above three because they're toxic and they're Ryan Murphy people. So I will go four. That is correct. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Oh my God. I mean, that's <laughs> though the tracks also yeah i mean wow there's a lot to say here and i'll say none of it congratulations I, if i've said it once i'll say it again i do think i'm a little psychic <laughs> <laughs> um that is the end of the game i'm waiting for the final score but um no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Justin did, did have four. And I had none. And I had none. But oh. honestly, a lot of answers that were really close. So yeah. I deserve a prize. Spiritually, you did win. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't even know if I spiritually tied. You got so many answers, right? That was nuts. That was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Um, but it, it wasn't the ones that I had a lot of pop culture knowledge of. So I that's... know that it, that's it's just like the Renaissance game. It's like you're a fucking good guesser. And sometimes I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like you won't like that one where you didn't know Austin Green, like you got the right answer. It's wow. It's wow. <laughs> I appreciate it. You know, it was a skill I used time and time again on standardized testing. Um, good but I actually think I, I, I once had a, there was a moment in one of my classes where they were like, how to guess the answer if you don't know the answer. And I really took that lecture to heart. Um, 
I am so excited to be back for season one. Um, I want, or season four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this for a second. Um, you know, me too. I'm very excited to be back for this season. I'm excited for all we have in store. I feel like we're going to cover some old favorites. We're going to cover some new albums that we haven't touched yet. Um, that frankly are yet to drop. Like, I just think it's going to be very exciting. Yeah, we've got some guests coming on board, um, and we'll have incredible games by our amazing executive producers. Thank you, Aaron Barnett, Cameron Toy, Jeremy Smith, and Kay Kayla saying, wait, so hold on. <laughs> no, I was just saying it's rigged. <laughs> oh, rigged, right? Oh, wow. I mean, maybe. Um, Rigged for psychic people. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you to our executive producers. Thank you to our fans for coming back and for um, loving us through four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> loving us. <laughs> Let's check in after this episode. Yeah. See what, what if we get like what if the Lizzo fans? You come wanted to, us? to hear it, fans, and I. I'm sorry. I do do think we're levying fair critiques, and we love her. Yeah, no, love we, we love her. We support her, and um, I'm excited for album number three. Like, rate, comment, subscribe. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. TJ uh, Maxx, Marshalls. See you later. Hey. <laughs>